This is the Create Love, Create Freedom podcast. My name is Allison Fisher, and on today's episode, we have a listener request. Um, I had someone reach out to me over Instagram, and he wanted to know how to stop obsessing over his ex, um, particularly an ex who was an avoidant, had avoidant um, attachment style. And this kind of brought a bigger discussion to the forefront for me, which was, you know, some of the reasons why we don't get over our ex. Um, what are those things that have certainly that hold us back and that have really held me back, right? So there's a few things that we really want to look at. Now, the first thing is understanding those obsessive thoughts. I think that a lot of us have had those kinds of thoughts about our ex, particularly if we have been in relationships with people who have avoidant attachment or people who, you know, kind of show some signs of, um, avoiding certain, you know, kind of aspects of their life, right? And those obsessive thoughts can also come in the form of something called rumination. So rumination is a cycle of negative thinking that interferes, of course, with our lives, right? Um, it, it kind of begins as a coping mechanism uh, to deal with a problem, or in this case, to deal with the loss of someone who was very close to us. And it's a thought pathway in the brain that with rep- repetitive fretting becomes a really deep rut that can be very hard to break out of. Um, but the truth is, of course, we don't have to stay stuck in our obsessive thoughts. Um, we can begin to move away from that. And as I said before, I am certainly someone who in the past has struggled with obsessive thoughts about a an ex. And then more recently, um, you know, with a with a more recent ex, um, I think about him, but my my thoughts aren't obsessive. So I'm going to kind of bring in some of my own personal experiences from that. Um but I did want to kind of bring this idea of rumination to you, to the forefront. And again, it's rumination or these, these obsessive thoughts really describe the process of continually thinking the same thoughts. Um, and of course, very often negative ones, right? Um, and, and it becomes problematic because excessive repetitive thinking um, obsessive thinking of negative thoughts, of course, can negatively affect and impact our lives. Um, what I have found is that these negative thoughts become very intrusive. Um, they, of course, override all the positive thoughts that I have, either about that relationship or about my current life. And it really magnifies reflection. Um, the reflection on what went wrong in the relationship, right? Which really will often keep me stuck. 
Um, it will keep me dwelling on constantly going back to the things that person said. And, and then it, it feels like that hurt, that pain, that suffering just kind of continues over and over. So, you know, when we ruminate, when we obsessively, um, when we obsess over an ex, we think about the problem for an extensive period of time and the thoughts really dominate our attention and they cause a lot of emotional distress. Um, just so that you also are aware, rumination or obsessive thoughts um, can involve worry and thus really focus on the uncertainty of our future. Um, this can also bring up a lot of anxiety about a problem or a threat. Um, you know, sometimes for me, um, uncertainty about whether or not, uh, maybe whether I could live my life without that person or how I was going to do that. Um, but also, you know, if I couldn't, if this person didn't love me, how could anyone else? Right. And, and so those negative thoughts, at least in, in my past, have, especially with avoidant um, or an avoidant, uh, attached person or uh, someone who um, had disorganized attachment, it really caused me to really struggle with how to move forward in my future. Um, and so I think that I, I think that for me, so I'm gonna I'm gonna lay out a couple of things. Um, two very different scenarios, right? So the first time that I really struggled with this, it was with kind of my first like really bad breakup and really my only bad breakup. Um, but that was, uh, if you've listened to the podcast in the past, that was the guy in Zambia. I was a returned Peace Corps volunteer and, and I did my service, um, in Zambia and had a wonderful time. Well, there were days that were really hard, but, um, it was really wonderful to, um, to experience, uh, being a Peace Corps volunteer, working with, uh, people in my village and whatnot, um, helping them, but they, of course, also taught me um, much more than I feel like I ever taught them uh, and really helped me, you know, just um, experience something very different in my life. And while I was there, I was, you know, I was living in a small village, but I also, of course, would go to the capital city of Lusaka, Zambia. And after I returned home after a few years, I began talking online, um, mostly over WhatsApp and text uh, with a guy who was a white African who uh, lived in Zambia. And it really felt like this very deep relationship. Um, it, it So one of the things that makes a relationship so hard to walk away from is that close bond that you think that you are forming with someone. Um, I'll get into um, trauma bond in a little bit. I actually did a podcast episode about trauma bonds. But you have to have had this connection with somebody and they have, have to they have to have meant something very, very deeply to you, right? In order for you to really have these kind of ruminating thoughts or these obsessive thoughts about them after the relationship has ended. 
Well, so I went to Zambia and um, met with this guy. Um, I was staying in his place. Big mistake, number one. Um, but number two, because, you know, I, I thought I knew him, but I did not. Um, and, you know, I was there for about three weeks and he treated me like trash. And so eight days in, he said, I don't want you. And I, through that process, um, I did not realize beforehand that he was, um, you know, had a disorganized attachment. Uh, that's what I believe at this point. Um, maybe also some covert narcissism. Um, but right before I left, I had learned a little bit about attachment style. And I very quickly realized that I was very anxious. I didn't realize until after I got home that that anxiousness um, became more and more apparent the longer that I had spent talking to him. Because before I went, um, I had been talking to him for about seven months. And so, you know, it wasn't a quick thing, but I really thought that we had this deep bond, um, this deep connection. And one of the things that I found, that I have found with obsessive thoughts is that when, when you are not the one to end it, it can be even more difficult. You know, when it wasn't your decision to break up, um, the breakup can be a lot harder. And that's really what I felt after that, because he had decided he didn't want me. And I still had what, two weeks left, um, almost exactly two weeks left of being around him. And I just kind of kept trying. Because um, he said, well, I don't think I, you know, I want this relationship. And I don't think I want you. It wasn't until a week later that he said, I don't want you this isn't going to work, whatever. And I, again, I've said on the podcast before, I became a shadow, a shell of the woman that I am today, and that I was even before I left. And I became even more anxious. I mean, I'm talking to the point where, you know, I would uh, leave in, in, in Zambia, at least in Lusaka, a lot of the homes have like these big walls and gates and all that kind of thing. Um, you can also see it a lot in South Africa and whatnot. It's partly kind of how I think that they kind of protect their environment, um, protect their homes, um, but it's very prevalent. And I kind of felt like a hostage there. But then I would leave and I would go and, um, you know, like buy food or, or do stuff. And I, I would just be like shaking with anxiety because um, I was like, oh, my gosh, what if I'm gone too long? What if he needs me? You know, those kinds of things. And I had never experienced that in a relationship or with a man before. And I knew it wasn't good, but, you know, I, I was still in it at that point. So then, uh, you know, my three weeks were up. Um, again, he treated me like absolute trash. Even one of his friends said, I don't know why you're trying so hard. He hasn't done anything for you. So anyway, I came home and I had obsessive thoughts. Uh, I, I ruminated for, I would say at least, probably at least a year. I cried every day or every other day for about a year and a half. Now, part of that was through the healing process, right? Um, 
you know, but those uh, obsessive thoughts really ruled my life for a long time. So in in a few minutes, I'm going to go through, you know, what some of those steps were that I took uh, to really stop that. Um, But pair that with the last relationship I was in, and also the relationship right after this one. Um, I took about two years to heal. uh, And then my friend who I was still, you know, talking with and whatever, funny enough, uh, the guy I dated next was the guy I called using WhatsApp um, from Africa, bawling my eyes out. And um, he said, do you want me to come and get you? And I said, no. Um, But he was kind of that person that, you know, I'd been friends with for so long. And then over those two years of healing, our relationship changed a lot. And I should say the two years of my healing. Now, I had been friends with him at that point for six years, this the second relationship that I was in. Um, so re- remember, before I went to Zambia, I had not been doing a ton of my own healing work. I had been exploring a lot of stuff about myself because I knew there were some things like, why am I not a very confident person? Why do I think these things about me? Why do I think so negatively about myself? Why does my value and worth come from other places rather than myself? And so at that time, you know, and over those six years, I was really working on kind of understanding myself. So I had been kind of deep into Myers-Briggs for about probably 10 years at that point. But then I found attachment style. So I came home and I'd been working on myself for, you know, two years. Um, The guy in Chicago and I, the guy who, um, you know, I called while I was in Zambia, um, we decided that we wanted to have a relationship. Um, He had acknowledged as well that, gosh, you know, you've, you've done a lot of healing work. You've done a lot of this stuff. And my goal was really to heal for myself, not heal for somebody else, but or for, yes, for that relationship, that upcoming relationship, but really to heal myself. And so what I did was I then moved into the relationship with him. Now, again, we had been friends for six years, so I hadn't been doing a lot of my healing work at that time. Turns out he was also, um, you know, had an insecure attachment style and was very avoidant. I didn't know that, very much from speaking with him on the phone over the past, you know, over those six years, uh, he seemed a lot more secure. I certainly knew about a lot of the the um, dysfunction in his childhood. Uh, we bonded over a lot of that. And then in um, December of 2020, I went to Chicago to meet him. We had a wonderful time. Um, but right at the end of that time, that four days or so that we spent together, I could feel him mentally and emotionally distancing himself. And I didn't really understand why, because we had spent all this time becoming close, right? Like deep intimacy. And what I found after being part of that relationship, um, I let that relationship last about a year. We only saw each other twice in that year, Um, spoke all the time. Uh, for the most part on the phone, but I noticed um, 
you know, a lot of those deactivating strategies that I, I came to find that that's what they were called with the avoidant attachment. And so for me, I gave it a year. Um, and I realized, and now remember, I had been continuing to build my value, you know, understand my value and my self-worth. Um, two years before I'd been working on my healing. And then that year that we were together, I continued deeply working on myself. And, um, I came to, you know, December of 2021 and I said, nope, I'm all done. Um, I don't like how you're treating me in the relationship. I don't like that I'm constantly on the back burner. I don't like that you don't put me first ever. Um, you know, he had a daughter or has a daughter and I never expected to be first all the time. I mean, naturally, uh, but sometimes, um, or, you know, he, he didn't make much of an effort a lot of the time to, uh, see me, you know, there were a lot of promises about, yeah, well, I'll come out to see you. I'll do all those things. And so when I ended things that second time now, cause remember the first, uh, guy or the the guy before him was had disorganized attachment. This guy had avoidant attachment. Both of those are forms of avoidant attachment. One is dismissive avoidant and one is more anxious avoidance, right? And so, or excuse me, fearful avoidance. And so they're both forms of avoidance. But the second relationship I didn't struggle nearly as much with obsessive thoughts or rumination um, because partly I think because I was the one who ended things. Now, another caveat is that I'd also done a lot more healing at that point, right? I was on a three, four year uh, spiritual healing journey understanding myself, understanding my value and my worth, what I was willing to tolerate in a relationship and what I wasn't. So these two scenarios, these two, you know, past exes um, were very different. And the two relationships that I had previous to that, one was in college, one was in Peace Corps, even though those relationships ended for very different reasons, um, I, I never, I never really experienced that. I mean, I was sad in those first two relationships, but what I realized is both of those men were very securely attached. Uh, one that the second relationship with, with the guy in, in Peace Corps, he was probably, he probably had had to work through some avoidance. Uh, we definitely like kind of bumped up against that from time to time or whatever, but he was much more willing to, to work on it. Um, we parted ways, uh, partly due to, um, just where our lives went after Peace Corps. Um, you know, he was very focused on military, you know, that kind of thing. And so, you know, it, it was what it was and that's okay. But, um, I don't know. I didn't have the same kind of rumination or obsessive thoughts as I did after, um, the third guy, the guy in Zambia who really had this, I mean, it was such a toxic relationship. I was shocked by how I was treated. Um, there was also a sexual assault involved. So, you know, you can kind of gather um, that that was not a, a healthy uh, place to be, um, a healthy relationship. 
So with these past, these last two relationships, the guy in Zambia and the guy in Chicago, very different kind of healing, uh, healing experiences, a different process. This last relationship, it's been over for a little over a year. Um, cause I ended it in, uh, December of 2021. Um, I still think about him every day. Um, I was actually having a call with a guy who'd reached out to me, who's been listening to the podcast. His ex is someone who, um, was very avoidant. Um, and you know, he was like, you know, what if he comes back? You know, those kinds of things. Um, for me, I, I didn't, I, I still, and I, and I told him, I still think about the guy in Chicago every day, but they're not obsessive thoughts and they're not thoughts of wanting to get back together with him because I don't, even if he were to do his healing work, right? Um, but as I look back on the relationship previous to that, that is one where I was in a constant loop for a very long time. Now, I think part of that was due to the fact that I was extremely anxiously attached at that point. Like my anxious attachment was there beforehand, but it had been ratcheted up so much. And I just, I felt so incredibly worthless. Um, I felt like every aspect of who I am wasn't good enough. Um, but I did a few things. Um, each, each day. Uh, and so these are some of the things that, you know, I want to bring to the forefront for those of you who are really struggling to let go of your obsessive thoughts or why you're not really getting over your ex. Um, first, you should definitely know that, you know, breakups are one of the most traumatic things that can happen in our adult lives. Um, I had someone comment on one of my TikTok videos that, you know, because uh, I was talking about avoidant attachment. And they also said that someone can become avoidant, you know, um, due to uh, a breakup. And that was actually very true for me. When I got back from Zambia, I actually kind of moved the pendulum the other way. Oh, no, this guy is absolutely right. I'm not independent. Um, You know, I'm not a good enough person, you know, like, I need to protect myself at all costs. But that wasn't really avoidant attachment. That was just avoidance, right? There were just some avoidant kind of behaviors happening there. Some avoidant personality. So we can very much fluctuate between the two. Um, but just know that walking away from a meaningful relationship is always going to be difficult. But when it's not your decision, the breakup can be even harder. And again, breakups are one of the most traumatic things that can happen to us in our adult lives. Um, I, I think that we really, we really have to take a look, you know, when we're in that deep rumination, we really have to take a look at, um, I, I kind of went on a three pronged approach. I needed to look at the past relationship. I needed to understand it so that I understood what parts of myself I needed to heal and so that it would never happen again. So I really actually did have to go back in and look at that relationship. 
The second thing though that I had to do was I also had to take a really deep look at me. Uh, For me, one of the things that helped me stop my rumination was separating myself from um, what was mine to take responsibility for in the relationship and what was that guy's. Excuse me. Um, In the past, I I had taken responsibility for all of it. It's all my fault. So once I kind of started to understand that, that was very important. And then the third thing that I really had to do was even in the midst of my sadness and my absolute heartbreak and my loneliness and my deep pain, I also had to figure out what kind of future I wanted to cultivate for myself. And that can be very difficult. So what that meant was, and and this is one of the things that really helped me stop ruminating, was I had to spend a little bit of my day in the past right? Looking at that past relationship, it was going to come up naturally anyway, because I was ruminating and obsessively thinking about the guy. I also had to spend some time every day focused on my future. But what I had to spend most of my time on was in the present. One of the things that really helped me in the present was acceptance. I really had to accept the present and understand that sometimes whatever is taking place is happening, whether I like it or not. I really wanted to be with that guy. Um, And he, he did not, he did not want anything to do with me. Now I see, and I realize that I had to go through that very unhealthy relationship in order to really be smacked in the face a bit with the healing that I need to do to do in my own life. Now I've said before on the podcast that I am grateful that that happened to me because it meant that I could heal my wounds and my trauma. I could transform so that that would never ever happen to me again. So part of the acceptance is, and being in the present, um, it's accepting. It's, um, you know, cause, cause we're kind of presented with these three choices, accept, change, or leave. Now leave for me, wasn't just leaving the relationship because obviously he had ended things. Um, but part of it was accepting. So, when we aren't accepting our reality, what's happening to us in the present moment, we're resisting. And what I found was resisting really amplified my suffering. So one of the ways that I eased, I didn't stop at that point, but I eased some of the suffering and some of the obsessive thoughts and the rumination was accepting, okay, this is where I'm at. I think that you have to really kind of get present with yourself to move into acceptance. Now, this doesn't mean sitting down and surrendering, um, particularly surrendering to the pain, Uh, but it does mean facing our circumstances, particularly with honesty, self-honesty, 
Uh, one of the things that I work very hard to do is not to lie to myself and also self-compassion. So part of this, again, was, of course, going down my own self-healing journey, um, really understanding that I had to learn how to soothe my inner child. Uh, then I began learning about the nervous system. Um, but getting present for me meant a few things. First, it meant really working on my sleep. Um, because obviously when you're having obsessive thoughts about somebody, uh, sleep can be really hard to come by. Um, I did a lot of things. Uh, I like to kind of jokingly say that I'm a bit of a diva when I sleep, um, which is kind of true. I have blackout curtains. I have a fan. Um, I wear earplugs. I used to wear a, a little mask over my eyes because light really bothers me. Um, but because I have the blackout curtains, I didn't need that anymore. Um, I am one of those people who I don't do well on on just a little bit of sleep. I need a good seven hours or so. It also kind of depends on where I am in my cycle, my menstrual cycle. You know, sometimes I need a little bit more, sometimes a little less is fine. Um, but I am someone who um, really believes that because I have to spend about a third of my life in bed, it's going to be an amazing bed and it's going to be an amazing room and it's going to have amazing sheets. So for me, um, you know, I have really nice high thread count sheets. I have a pillow that I travel with because it's one of those foam pillows that's kind of rounded specifically. And then I have one of those memory foam kind of mattress beds. And I absolutely love it. I love the bed frame that I bought. Um, I recently, about last year, I put in some new, really gorgeous um, gold and um, glass uh, side tables. And I've got beautiful candles in there. Um, it's black, it's white, it's cream. Um, it's got green from the plants that I keep in my room. And also um, pink, um, some light pink. I think I've got a little pop of hot pink in there too. Um, but I've also got some paintings on the wall that I did. Um, but in the past, um, you know, uh, and I'll come, I'll go back to this, uh, in a little bit, but I, I also, um, spend some time, uh, really putting some things in my space and around myself, not only so I could get good sleep, but things that were, um, really a very positive, uh, positive words. So for me, um, the, the man that I went to see in Zambia, um, he verbally broke me down a lot due to his words, not just his actions, but his words. And so I am a person, um, I'm an INFJ and a type four on the Enneagram. Um, I'm definitely a sexual self-preservation four. So in case you know the Enneagram instincts, that's definitely me. On the other hand, I'm a Libra. Although I find it really funny because I was actually born prematurely. So I was supposed to be a Scorpio. So I got a little bit of both. I'm not going to lie. Got a little bit of both there. But um, my whole point being one of my love languages is words of affirmation. Don't get me wrong. A man smacking your ass or my ass and saying, damn, you're looking hot today is really great. On the other hand, definitely have a praise kink. And I definitely really appreciate words of affirmation being really deep conversations. So one of the things that I did in my home, 
um, going through kind of my process of untangling my mind from this man was I took pieces of canvas, you know, that you can like buy at Michael's or whatnot. And I painted the canvas, you know, these pretty colors. Um, mostly it was pink, a couple shades of pink and some green. And then I took a black Sharpie and I started writing stuff that was really important to me. Um, I, uh, there was a quote from an apparel company called Rogue American. And it said, I will live my life. Um, I don't think it was wild and free, but you know, I will live my life from a place of freedom. I won't let anyone or anything negatively impact me. Um, and you know, I'm, I'm here for those people who love and support me and I love and support them. But basically I'm not putting up with anyone else's bullshit. Um, and so I also had to really work on putting myself first, right? Um, one of the other things that I really, uh, worked on was uh, certainly making sure my eating and making sure my exercise were happening because I knew that if I didn't eat well, and if I didn't exercise, my mindset was only going to continue to go downhill. So again, those thoughts, those obsessive thoughts came in the form of, uh, it was kind of alleviated a little bit through rigorous exercise. Now, of course, that only takes up, you know, 90 minutes of my day. Um, Another thing that I would also do is I would go on what I call walk and talks. So nature is something that's very important to me being outside, get sunshine, you know, that kind of thing. Well, when I can, um, you know, there are obviously cloudy and rainy days, but really spending time um, thinking while I talk or, or while I walk, um, the physical movement for some reason really helps me. Um, I can't really do it so well when I'm running, but I can really think and walk. Um, I would also cry a lot of times at this point. Um, I would still ruminate. I would still think about that guy. But then I also found podcasts. I found YouTube videos that I would listen to. Um, I would find very empowering things because, again, words matter to me. Um, Words were something that were really important to me, you know, kind of moving through this rumination, rebuilding who I was from the ground up. Um, I've talked about it before as being like, I had to go and take a jackhammer to the foundation, the core foundation of who I was. Um, I decided that so much of that stemmed from a lot of childhood, you know, um, kind of wounds that, that were left unhealed. But I realized the foundation I was trying to build a relationship on wasn't a solid foundation and it started with me. So I took a jack, a jackhammer to it basically. And then, um, I basically also, I, I basically rebuilt it. I tried to find the best tools I possibly could to rebuild my sense of self, to rebuild what I thought about myself. 
how I loved myself. Now, I am not one of those people who believes the only person I ever want to love or the only person I ever need love from is me. Um, I very much believe in receiving love from others. It's very powerful and it's very important, but I did have to learn how to love myself first. I did have to get kind of down and dirty into that. And again, that really came from rebuilding who I was, what I wanted, um, how I saw myself, I would say even more so, really how I saw myself in in kind of my own life, uh, in, in my own head as well, in my own heart. I really had to rebuild that. I really had to um, kind of create that new structure. As I was focusing on that, that's also part of focusing on my future, right? So like I talked about, I lived, I had to go back to the past a little bit. It really helped me to dig through things to see where that guy came from to see, to, to really understand, oh no, he's not securely attached even a little bit. Oh, okay. If I can understand that, if I can dig a little deeper into those things about him, um, it also kind of disgusted, not that I'm not saying that uh, disorganized attachment or avoidant attachment disgusted me, but I'm talking his character on top of that because of the way that he treated people. Um, the way that he spoke to people, um, even just around me while I was there. I was just like, what? Like, how is it that I chose this dude? You know, um, even there, it was just, it was really awful. And so I really had to kind of understand parts of him. But part of that acceptance, part of that being present was making sure I had a lot of things in line. Um, also taking time in the present to, as I said, to create, right. To, to, um, create these, um, things for my wall. I put them in my bedroom. I also put them in my living room. Um, there's a guy by the name of Ryan Mickler and I forget they're not rules or anything, but, um, he had like a different topic, um, on like these 13 like principles or whatnot that he lived by. And I made them very feminine because his were like black and white and red. Um, but I wanted them like pink and green and gold. And so, like I said, I, I took canvas and I painted and I hung them up there and I would read them every day. Um, but one of the um, rogue American uh, things that I wrote down was um, you know, about like, give yourself permission to walk away from anything or anyone that gives you negative, negative energy. There's no uh, need to explain or make sense of it. And basically you need to trust yourself. And for me, that was obviously really positive because I, I needed to kind of learn how to trust myself again. That also helped me stop ruminating about that guy. It helped me stop my obsessive thoughts, right? Um, I also kind of, you know, 
moved through maybe some more masculine kinds of things. Um, you know, some more masculine thoughts such as, you know, um, like I'm owned by no one. Um, you know, like building kind of a certain areas of my strength really helped me. Um, but one of the things I wrote down was, um, you are not delivered into this world in defeat, nor does failure flow through your veins. And that really helped me as well. Understand that the things that that man said about me, the things that I kept ruminating on, I did not have to believe them. Um, I also really had to, uh, through my acceptance process, you know, um, embracing the present. I also had to understand that all things will eventually change. One of the things that helped me stop obsessing was knowing that I don't have to believe everything I think and I don't have to believe everything I feel. Uh, Wayne Dyer once said, enlightenment is the quiet acceptance of what is. So I had to accept that this relationship was over. I had to accept that um, this was a really horrible experience. Um, but I also had to rebuild myself. And like I said, um, I took a, a jackhammer <laughs> is, is kind of what the, the, what I saw in my own mind. I took a jackhammer to my foundation and then I rebuilt it with the best tools I could find, the best materials. That was understanding my own, you know, going on my own healing journey, rebuilding myself, rebuilding my trust in my intuition and my gut. Um, you know, when you're with somebody who treats you like trash and who sexually assaults you, um, you, you really question your own judgment. How could he treat me that way? We had built this beautiful bond. Why? Why would he do this? Why would he treat me this way? Um, another thing that really helped me was every single month, for an entire year, I had purchased on um, Audible, I had purchased the four agreements and the fifth agreement, the books. I listened to them because they're about maybe three hours long each, but I listened to them every month for a year. And one of the agreements was um, don't take anything personally. Nothing anyone ever says or does has anything to do with you. And I really had to separate um, my, my beliefs, the stories I created about myself. I really had to separate those from the things that that man said about me. Um, you know, really understanding that what he did or said really had nothing to do with me. Um, what others say and do is a projection of their own reality, their own dream of the world, right? The, the, the glasses that they see through uh, have been very um, altered by their own wounds and their trauma from their childhood. And, you know, in the four agreements, um, he says, when you are immune to the opinions and actions of others, you won't be the victim of needless suffering. 
And that really spoke to me at that time, because if you are ruminating over your ex, or if you are obsessing, obsessively thinking about your ex, you're in constant suffering. You're in constant pain. You're constantly replaying all those things over and over. And so that also, uh, you know, one of the other agreements that really helped me was being impeccable with your word. Um, speak with integrity. Say only what you mean. Um, avoid using the word. He, um, he talks a lot about the word uh, to speak against yourself also to gossip about others, but to speak against yourself. Use the power of your words in the direction of truth and love. And so the other thing that I really had to work on was how I spoke to myself about myself. Um, my mentor uh, is a retired Navy SEAL, and uh, his name is Tom Shea. And he talks about... um you know, uh, your internal dialogue, what you say about yourself. Um, being impeccable with your word. And for me, that really started with me. Because before that, and, and even while I was going through all those obsessive thoughts, I was also saying really awful negative things about myself to myself. You know, um, your body doesn't look the way that it should. You're just a piece of trash. Of course, no man would want you, right? Those are horrible things. And those are not true things. And so for me, working through my my rumination, uh, you know, getting over my ex was really working through a lot of that. Loving me, um, holding my little inner child, little Allison, and saying, hey, it's okay. I know you're scared right now. I know you're hurting right now in this moment, but I've got you. We're not going to speak down to ourselves. We're not going to do any of that. Instead, we are going to lift ourselves up in love and compassion the same way that you lift up other people. And so those were also things that really helped me. Um, I think that transforming my need for validation, um, my need for closure from that relationship, one of the things that I learned was I don't actually need closure from that person. Closure, normal relationship closure normally means that you, um, you talk with that person, that ex, that whatever. Um, and you discuss what right, what wrong in the relationship and you're able to kind of walk away from it with something, it was some sort of knowledge, some sort of, um, understanding and learning. But the truth is you don't actually need that. Um, this is actually something we're talking about in our members club. Um, in March, we are looking at the need for closure and how it's actually not necessary. Um, once I also learned that, I was able to kind of say, oh, okay, I don't have to rely on this person to help me move on and move forward. And even more than just moving on was really to heal. I don't need this person in order to do that. Um, 
another thing that really helped me through that process was um, I I dug a little bit deeper into my own spirituality. Um, I come from a home that um, celebrates Christian tradition. Um, and I really went a lot deeper into more feminine spirituality. So for me, I found a group online, they were called Priestess Presence. For some reason, after that deep psychological, physical, emotional loss of the breakup, I really needed to, I I really wanted to cling to something that was very feminine. Um, I did not get a lot of that in my home, um, nor understanding from my mother, which again was probably partly due to the reason why I chose a guy like the guy I chose. Uh, funny enough, um, I very much believe that my mother has disorganized attachment, kind of like this guy. Funny enough, when I got home after that experience, my sister said to me, wow, Al, most women choose men like their fathers. You didn't choose someone like dad, you chose someone like mom. That about floored me. I was like, oh my gosh, you're right. And so then I was like, oh my goodness, I need to heal. Uh, The other thing that really helped me a lot was because I thought, oh my gosh, I just, I have this anxious attachment. Um, You know, does it, do I always have to be this way? And then when I figured out and read that I could heal my anxious attachment, I was like, oh, hell yes. This is absolutely fantastic. So for me, I, I continue to struggle, you know, a couple steps forward, a couple steps back uh, with that. But it also kind of came in the form of really digging into my feminine. Um, so what I found to be really helpful, because um, I like to take a hot bath at the end of the day. Well, after that relationship, a lot of my hot baths were listening to um, a lot of the meditations in the priestess presence, um, you know, uh, group website, you know, whatever. Um, I purchased certain things from them. And I mean, I would ball my eyes out in the bathtub, sitting there soaking. But a lot of it was, you know, really changing my own thought process of how I saw myself. So that was really helpful to me. The other thing that I began to do is I found another woman online. Uh, Her name was Aisha Faines. And unfortunately, she has passed away, um, which I just, uh, gosh, just really hurts my heart because I learned so much from her and I was hoping to learn even more. Um, But I took several of her courses. One was understanding um, uh, the seven feminine archetypes. I later did the... um, I think it's eight masculine archetypes, but that really helped me understand of the seven archetypes as women, we want access to all of them, right? Um, The lover, the sage, the huntress, um, the maiden, the mystic, the mother, and the queen. Um, But I did not realize how much I identified with the maiden archetype. And when the maiden has not transformed herself yet, uh, when she's in the core state, that is a Greek word, core, K-O-R-E, to describe the maiden or Persephone, um, she has a lot of these shadow qualities. And a lot of her shadow qualities are being the dependent daughter, 
allowing other people to dictate her life, feeling like she has not, um, like her life, like her life is happening to her, that she's not the captain of her ship. Um, and then the other thing is just kind of allowing other people to treat her really poorly when she has gone through psychological loss. And again, I, I really resonate with this. She is then able to transform herself into the sovereign queen. And of course, one of the things about the maiden is she then knows the journey and she can help other people. So part of my psychological and emotional transformation has also um, shown up on this podcast, being able to share this with you, um, being able to understand that I can be a guide for others, um, sharing my story, continuing to study and to learn. Um, and the other course that I took from Aisha was the five laws of feminine power. Uh, really kind of getting back to understanding the feminine, um, particularly through um, Greek mythology, understanding how um, I would say masculine society has really diluted a lot of feminine power um, and, and how to kind of navigate that. And that really moved into the other kind of aspect of, you know, yes, I was studying, I was um, uh, researching the past, that guy, right? I was also uh, focused on my healing. But then the third piece that really helped me um, stop ruminating about him and also stop, uh, you know, obsessively thinking about him was by focusing on my future. So for me, um, I said, all right, um, that dream that we had with him, it is gone. That is deeply painful. But on the other hand, what does that, what does my future look like? My life doesn't end at 34. Um, I've learned a lot of lessons. I never want to repeat those, uh, the way that I had to learn those lessons, but I've learned a lot of lessons. How do I then move forward? What do I want for my life? And ever since, funny enough, coming back from Peace Corps in 2012, I, when I came back, I heard the word entrepreneur and I was like, holy fuck, that's me. <laughs> I don't know why I identified so much with that, but for me, that was really, um, really exceptional. And so I began really looking at, okay, what kind of business do I want to build? How do I want to serve others? Um, so whatever that looks like for you, that future for you. Um, the other thing that I did was I began, uh, so my, my mentor, uh, the Navy SEAL, Tom Shea, he talked about, uh, his kind of big thing is the seven pyramids of human performance. One of the reasons why I worked with him was because, no, I'm not saying all Navy SEALs. I think here in the United States, we tend to venerate them a bit. Um, there have been some really crappy ones, um, you know, as I listen to other guys in their podcasts. Um, but with with Tom, his mindset, right? Um, this kind of unbreakable mindset. I really wanted to cultivate that within myself. Um, but at the time, um, I was very broken. Um, and 
not like broken beyond repair, but just like, um, you know, that uh, Japanese um, pottery um, thing where they take the broken pieces of pottery and then using a paste that has gold in it, they actually, it actually makes the piece of pottery stronger. And so, yes, I had these broken pieces, but I knew it was kind of like rebuilding the foundation, right? I knew that I could put them back together even better and not just stronger, like in terms of I'm going to armor myself up, right? And not let love in and not be open and vulnerable and soft. But that softness can also come with a backbone. It can um, mean that I learn boundaries, that I don't say yes to everything, that I learn how to say no, so that I can say yes to the things I actually want in my life. And so I worked with him on these seven, or these, um, excuse me, five pyramids of human performance. And one is physical, one is intellectual, uh, one is wealth, uh, one is spiritual, and one is a relationship. And of these five, you choose one goal uh, to focus on in each one of these categories. And for me, um, he he said to me, Allison, most of the people I work with have no goals. Because uh, when I went to meet him um, and w- we sat down together and he said, uh, you were the first person I have sat with who has had seven goals in every category. And he said, you're never going to get the life you want by having this many goals at one time. So his expertise was really helping me pick one goal at a time. And so for one of my physical goals, I mean, I was still working out and, you know, doing CrossFit and doing all that, but not, I I needed to pick something that was going to push me. And so I picked Spartan Racing, partly because I didn't need a partner to do it. Uh, A lot of times in CrossFit competitions, unless you're an elite athlete, which I am not at all, I really love it and enjoy it, but I am never going to be elite and I'm totally okay with that. On the other hand, you know, with the Spartan race, I could absolutely fly to a cool place in the US and run a Spartan race on my own, get a little Airbnb, do all that. But it also kind of brought out that huntress in me, going after a goal, um, eating what I kill kind of idea. Um, That is Artemis, right? And so it's that wild, independent female spirit. And I really had to build that back up in myself. And for me, doing things that were physically hard also meant mentally tough. And that helped me rebuild a lot of my mental toughness. So I would very much say, um, you know, like Tom talks about picking something for in each one of those categories. To this day, years later, I still do that. Each quarter, I go back, I look, but I have a physical goal. And you keep work, I keep working on it until I complete it. Even if I fail, I keep working on it until I complete it. The same thing with an intellectual goal. Um, big one for me was uh, working on a new certification, right? Um, some of it is reading or something like that, but a, a new certification, something that pushes me. Um, a, uh, wealth goal, right. Is, uh, mine aren't like necessarily numbers anymore. Well, I want to make this much off of, you know, this business for me, it's more about each month I have something that I work on and then I complete. 
Um, that's actually one of the ways that I've gotten Create Love Freedom to move forward so well. Uh, and I'm so proud of myself for all the stuff that I was able to, to do last year was because I did one thing at a time. Um, and again, when you're focused on your future, you're not ruminating about your ex as much. You're not allowing their leaving, their uh, rejection, their abandonment of you, right? Because that's sometimes how we can feel. You're not allowing that to keep you from the life that you really want. Um, and so then I also chose a, um, a spiritual goal. And then I also chose a, a relationship goal. And just so you know, out of those five pyramids, the relationship pyramid has always been my hardest. And it turns out everyone else feels that way too, according to Tom. So just know that, um, you know, that can be, that can be tough. Speaking of which, one of the other things that really helped me move forward and stop ruminating was I had one friend that I could really talk to about this because she was going through something very similar at the time. Uh, she was going through a divorce with a guy, funny enough, she met in Zambia and with a guy who was a white South African. And turns out he was also um, a covert narcissist, maybe maybe more of an overt narcissist, but um, someone who uh, you know had been cheating on, on her for years and whatnot. And that, you know, we could have those talks. And so I could get out some of that stuff that I was harboring, that anger, that hatred towards the guy in Zambia, um, the wanting revenge, you know, the rage, all that kind of thing. But then I also had other friends where I could really talk through stuff and really work on moving my life forward. And one of the other things that really helped was then not necessarily looking for love, but then I found the guy in Chicago. And... It's funny, even though our relationship is no longer, um, he was really the person who, I mean, he was there with me through thick and thin, um, not always understanding my process, not always understanding the feminine, but still there for me. So I created a new tribe around myself, a couple of people that I could rely on. And now I have a few friendships, very deep friendships. It's not just one-sided, but I can also be there for them uh, through things that they've gone through. And so really focusing in on my future also helped me um, stop that rumination. Uh, one other thing that I will suggest, at least for the present, is play. Find things that you enjoy doing that really just bring you a lot of joy. Um, CrossFit or or working out now in my home gym, I actually do uh, programming through Marcus Philly and um, functional bodybuilding. Um, absolutely love that programming, by the way. So if you have done CrossFit for years, but you want you know something a little different, check out Marcus Philly. He's a former CrossFit Games athlete. And, um, his stuff is exceptional and don't get me wrong. That's enjoyable. And that is somewhat play, but it's not free flowing play. So for me, it's being around some of my friends, kids, taking them to the park, uh, taking my niece to the park. Uh, my niece and I also really love cooking together or, uh, doing art projects together or whatever. So, 
you know, I find um, small people, um, you know, the littles can be, uh, you know, when children can be, it can be really wonderful to see this uninhibited human um, play and enjoy themselves. And it really kind of gets you out of those kinds of obsessive thoughts over someone. Um, yeah, so I, I really think for me, those were a lot of the things that, that really helped. Now, I also want to shed a little light on what does it look like on the other side, right? To me, it seemed like I'd shed a lot of trauma bonds. Um, and I really knew that I was done with a lot of those trauma bonds when I started to see, and then I began to kind of celebrate little, little things, acknowledging how far I had come, right? But kind of celebrating, um, really kind of seeing that irresponsible, inconsistent behavior is really no longer enticing or sexy to me. It's not spontaneous. It's not appealing, right? So I knew that I had been healing my nervous system and I knew that I had been healing my anxious attachment when irresponsible, inconsistent behavior was no longer sexy. Um, another thing was that I wasn't seeking another person to complete me. I began again, working on myself, researching, understanding, you know, where that guy came from, but also understanding what I needed to heal, um, doing my own self-healing. It really helped me understand that I am complete. I am lovable. I am beautiful. Um, I am exceptional without somebody else kind of, um, I don't know, kind of maybe forming an unhealthy codependent relationship with me. Another way that I noticed that I was healing was that relationships became a space to grow and evolve and not reenact my childhood trauma. Um, certainly it pops up and it comes up, but that's the idea of a conscious relationship, a safe place that you can grow, that you can heal, that you can evolve, that you can work through those really heavy feelings when they come up. Um, and again, it does not have to be just a romantic relationship, but it can be a, um, you know, a friendship, whatnot. Um, and another thing that I noticed as well that I, I really celebrate within myself is I stop betraying myself to be chosen by someone. Um, that's what I did in that relationship with the guy in Zambia where I came home and I had all those obsessive thoughts. I had betrayed myself in order to be chosen by someone who wasn't worthy of me. When I finally began to understand my own value and my worth and then began to, I don't know, I, I used to, and I still do, I shouldn't say I, I used to, but I, I visualized putting a crown on my own head. I actually own a little crown and uh, I know that may seem silly. Uh, don't care. Um, some days when I'm having a really bad day, I put on my crown. Other days when I'm having a really good day, I literally put on a crown and sometimes we'll walk around my house. Sometimes it's like five minutes, but whatever. And 
part of that is remembering who the fuck you are. And for me, I'm a lioness. I am a warrior queen. I'm the sovereign queen of my own life. I don't need to betray myself to be chosen. Someone, although yes, um, maybe I'm still a little odd or still a little quirky in some ways, right? Uh, you know, unique, very different. I enjoy being unique and different. Um, but I, someone will love that as well. I can be my true authentic self. Um, I also took responsibility for meeting my own needs. Um, speaking my needs and really working through my stories, the old stories that really held me back. I began deconstructing a lot of the things that that man had said to me. And I had to. Uh, A lot of the things uh, my mother had said about men, right? These are ego stories. These are things that hold us in the rumination in the past. First is becoming aware of them. Then it's breaking them down. So again, these are some of the things that really helped me. I'm sure that there was quite a few others, but those are the things that I really um, found um, to kind of come to the forefront of my mind. Um, Like I said, yes, research and understand the other person so that you can spot those people or those kinds of men or women or, you know, whomever you're attracted to um, first right away um, or much quicker than you would have in the past. The other thing is to really be able to show yourself that that isn't the right person for you. That really helped me a lot. I do not ever want to be with someone who treats people the way that the man in Zambia did. Um, The other thing is, you know, part of my goal in in life for me personally is to be married and have children. Um, But I'm also very selective, obviously, who I am interested in marrying. And there was no way that I would ever have children with a man like that. So then, of course, why is, you know, why would he be good enough for me? Uh, why would he be the, he's not the kind of person I want to be with anyway. So again, I had to kind of take some of that back as well. I had to really grasp onto what I want going forward in the relationship. Um, and, and part of, part of, you know, looking back to the past, uh, doing some research, that kind of thing was also realizing that if he came back right now or then, you know, and said, hey, I made a mistake or, you know, wanted back, wanted to uh, start things with me again, he wouldn't have been doing any of his healing work. To this day, I don't think he's done any of his healing work, right? So what are you taking back? You're only going to repeat the same pattern again which is going to cause you more anxiety, more depression, more obsessive ruminating thoughts. At some point you have to realize and and learn and continually tell yourself over and over again, I am worth more and that's not the right person for me. 
Again, uh, one of the other things that I did was spending some time in the present, uh, spending a majority of my time in the present, doing things daily that move myself forward. I actually have this little, um, uh, it's a little leather bound, uh, booklet kind of thing. It's by uh, Ryan Meckler, a guy who has the Order of Man podcast. And um, it's a kind of a planner a bit. And yes, it's very masculine. He calls it the 12 week battle planner. If you go to his website, I'm sure you could buy it. That's where I buy it every year. Um, But it's 52 weeks. It's a weekly tracker. And he's got these things called daily non-negotiables. And then there's a list you can write down of activities. And then he's got Sunday through Saturday, right? And you basically just put a little check mark. And so for me, you know, staying in the present is also checking off one of those things every day. Um, I meditate. I do what's called ROMWAT or range of motion workout of the day, basically stretching. Um, you know, going on a long walk and then also um, running. Uh, then workout, Um, something I call the PCOS protocol, I have PCOS. And so for me, it's taking my supplements and making sure that my diet is on point. Then I've got read, journal, plan, uh, posting on Instagram, um, the members club, um, the podcast, uh, a video, uh, because I post a little bit to TikTok and also Instagram. And then also uh, working on my newest project, which is the quiz. And for me, I just put a little check mark by those things. A couple of them change. Um, obviously, when I finish the quiz, I won't have that anymore. And I will have something new there. But staying in the present, for me, I'm a bit of a planner. And so having a plan is really good. Um, and then also, part of that is also focusing on the future, building the future I want. When I got to the place in my life where I said, I very much want to have a partner, to be married, to create the family that I've always wanted, but I will be okay without it. And in the meantime, I'm not, I'm not going to stress about my age anymore. I'm not going to worry about those kinds of things. Yes, sometimes I'm going to be a little lonely. It still pops up for me every once in a while, but I would be more lonely and hurting myself more if I stayed in a relationship with someone who did not treat me the way I should be treated. And so for me, what I have been doing, and this also really helps with rumination and moving on um, from the obsessive thinking about your ex, create the best life you possibly can, even when there's no one else in it. And I don't mean no one else in terms of like your friends or your family, but I mean no other love interest. Go for it. Do it. No one else is going to do it for you. Make little changes all the time. For me, I really enjoy, you know, I've I've talked a lot about the things that I enjoy doing. Um, I also enjoy travel. And so about every quarter, I like to take myself away for a long weekend do things. Make your life the best life humanly possible. Find a way to serve others. That's partly the podcast. That's that's the business, uh, you know, with Create Love Freedom, the courses and the quiz and the members club. This is my love gift to women, to the world. And 
when you are that focused on your future, you're going to stop thinking, not only thinking about that ex, but you are going to stop thinking that they could have ever fit into your life and that they would have ever been good in your life. Because the truth is the things that you're building now, your ex would have brought you down. You wouldn't be able to do any of those things. So that is how I view that. Um, granted it may change in the future because I'm always open to new things and new thoughts and not holding on to, you know, beliefs I necessarily once had. Uh, but I hope that that was helpful for you. Um, if you are going through a period where you're obsessively thinking about your ex, um, reach out to me. I will find time to have a call with you somebody in your corner to support you. Um, I get it. It's really hard and it hurts. And you have to be very curious about yourself and you have to really kind of determine and figure out what really helps you move forward. Um, There were some things that I tried that I was like, nah, that's not working. So I would try some other things. Um, but putting really inspirational things around myself and not like fake inspiration, but like things that really helped me heal. Um, like I said, the, the, um, the stuff with priestess presence with the, um, what were those called? The different, um, meditations she called them very helpful, really helped me rebuild who I was as a per who I am as a person understanding more about my attachment style, um, my wounds and my trauma, understanding about, um, you know, masculine and feminine archetypes, realizing there's nothing wrong with who I am. There are things I need to keep working on really helped me let go of the idea that anything could have ever worked out with that person or should have ever worked out with that person. And so if you are in that place and you want kind of help on that self-healing journey, come join us over in the members club. The members club is a monthly uh, subscription. It is $29 a month. We are over on Mighty Networks, which I'm really excited about. And it is um, it is a community of women who are doing their self-healing work. And each month, I release a new masterclass is what I call it. It is a self-healing topic where you will have access to multiple videos as well as a workbook. And so, you know, some of the topics you might be like, eh, not for me, or maybe not yet. I'm not going to focus on that yet right now. But each month there will be a new one and you will have access to all of the masterclasses that I have done over the past year and the, the new ones that I continue to put out. And you will also be able to bring it up as an app whenever you so desire or feel like. Pop in your headphones, uh, plug it in your car so that you can, um, you know, listen or learn. Um, but you can also talk with other women in the members club and you can talk with them about the struggles that you're going through. You can also, um, you know, discuss things. Um, you know, what's helping them, uh, move forward and you can share your story as well. 
So if you're interested in that, please go to Instagram. We are at Create Love Freedom. You can click on the link in our bio and then click Members Club and sign up there and get the download for the uh, for the app and um, join us and have access. So again, if you want to get a hold of me, you can reach out and direct message me on Instagram. You can also uh, email me. My email is createlovefreedom at gmail.com. I hope that you have a wonderful day and until next time.